Welcome to Baby Boomer Tales. My name is Jim. Please visit our webpage, babyboomertales.com. Thank you for riding along today. Let's get right with this. First and foremost, I want everybody to be clear that I am not a historian. I just tell stories the way I remember them. And if you listen to this podcast very much, sometimes you'll hear me correcting a story that maybe wasn't put together correctly. I'm just doing the best I can with what I have in my noggin. But I want to talk about some of the law enforcement officers that were around during my childhood and my young adulthood. Probably right up to the time we left Colorado and moved to the great state of Kansas. The very first one I have to talk about, and I really don't remember him being the sheriff of the county because I was so young, but my parents knew him, and between Old Doc and Sheriff Chauncey, they're the two most famous figures that county ever produced, in my opinion. And Doc and Chauncey were buddies. They were friends. So Sheriff Chauncey, in 1948, he was actually under-sheriff at that time in 48. That's two years before I was born, so this is just a story that I know of about this guy. It had just snowed overnight, and in the early morning, the under-sheriff noticed footprints going towards the front door of the bank. He stopped and he looked, and he could tell that the front door had been forced open so he ran around to the back door of the bank building and he waited and eventually these two guys came out carrying a bunch of cash with them and old under sheriff chauncey plowed one right in the nose right in the face knocked him out he hit him so hard and the other guy took off well under sheriff chauncey shot at him three times and missed him It's hard to hit a moving figure with a handgun, guaranteed. So he grabbed the other guy, threw him in the police car, and took him to the jail, which was about maybe, I don't know, 17 miles away. Threw him in jail, came back, and just by chance happened to see the other guy racing off. And so in pursuit, he shot at him three more times, and he ran out of bullets at that time you know, a six-shooter. And so in the chase that followed, Chauncey rammed his car into the bank robber's car and forced him into a ditch. So he gathered him up and took him to the jail. That was one story. 1948. Sounds like in the 30s to me. Bonnie and Clyde, all that stuff. In April of 1953, the then-sheriff Chauncey came upon a car that was stuck in a ditch. And he pulled over and he immediately recognized the two guys that were standing by the car as two hitchhikers that he had seen previously that day. Well, he got out and started questioning them. and They said that the owners of the car had walked off to try to get help. But he noticed that the plates were expired. And so he went to call in 
the radio to see about all this stuff. And these two guys pulled out some revolvers and held old Sheriff Chauncey there. Chauncey said to them right to their face, you might as well shoot me dead because I'm not going to give up. Well, they threw him in the back of the police car and took off with Sheriff Chauncey as a hostage. They said, are you armed? And Chauncey said, no, I'm not armed. They said, that's good because we're not going to be taken alive. Well, they started to drive through the canyon and Marshal Melvin from the town they were headed towards on the other side of the canyon saw them and started in pursuit shooting at the car and they were shooting back at Marshal Melvin and Sheriff Chauncey was huddled down in the back of the seat and they just one of them turned around once and Sheriff Chauncey shot him in the head turned and the other guy went to shoot Chauncey and he shot the other guy right in the head for good measure he shot them both again right in the head and this car they had been going through this high-speed chase all the way through the canyon with the river down below, rock wall on the right. And they both got shot right as they entered town and the car cruised to a stop right in front of the funeral home. Those two guys were dead as a doornail. I think that is amazing, those two stories. There's more stories about Sheriff Chauncey, but I just picked those two because they're most familiar with me. Old Doc had to save Sheriff Chauncey's life before, been shot. So this is in the 40s and the 50s. Usually you associate that time with a more peaceful time. But up in rural mountains, which it was, I mean... My town didn't have many people, and the towns around it had fewer. But it was like the Wild West there. Sheriff Melvin, by the time I really knew who he was, I always just thought he was just some jolly old guy. I knew his son. And I knew him, I mean, from hanging out at the coffee shop and stuff. I didn't know he was such a hard-nosed lawman. A friend of both of theirs was Marshall Vern from my hometown, and you can get much past old Vern. He'd drive around town in this green Ford Galaxy sedan. I think it had a cherry on top, if I remember right. He was a first-class town marshal if you ever, ever wanted to know one. It was Vern. My mother and my aunts all worked for Vern's wife at the telephone office. They were all operators. That was back in the days of the switchboards. And you make a long-distance call, you had to call in at the operator. Everybody had party lines and all that stuff. Vern was a top-notch guy. I talked about him one time, how he busted me and a couple of my friends breaking into an old abandoned hotel. Vern knew how to handle situations, especially with three 15-year-old dumb boys. That is a fact. Some of the great town marshals around those little towns in the county I was raised, besides Melvin and Vern, there was Ray in the lake town. There was Gene, who later, after Vern retired, was the town marshal there in my little town. There's a guy named Buster up at the icebox town. There's some stories about him. He couldn't have been as bad as those stories say, but maybe he was. Maybe he was in the lake town too. 
I can't really remember. Huck became the county sheriff as I was a young man. I always felt like he was a good sheriff. There was one case there that never really ever could be solved, even though everybody knew who was guilty. It was a sad thing for our little town. Huck was right on it. It wasn't his fault. I volunteered to be part of the search party that Huck had assembled. State troopers that would come to our county always came in hot shots and soon realized that they had to live and work with these folks. And most of those state troopers were good guys once they got assimilated into the county. <laughs> Several of them, I can remember stories, and I even experienced a couple of them when they were first new on the job there, how they were going to be hard-nosed. And the love of the people and the goodness of those folks up in the county changed all that for them. That's guaranteed. But they would still give you a ticket. Thank you, all you fellers, for putting your lives on the line for us. I really appreciate it. I need to speak real fast about my grandma. This is my mother's mom. And of my four grandparents, she's the one I, I hate to say loved most, but I was closest to. And yeah, I think I loved her the most. Her kin came from Illinois. I've not been able to trace them any further back than Illinois, where my father's family, I traced clear back to Germany in the 1600s. I got into the 1700s in Illinois. I didn't even know Illinois existed in the 1700s. I need to do that this winter when I have more time on my hands, try to go back a little further with grandma's family. Her and my grandpa came to my little hometown from a town 90 miles to the west of us where her family had finally settled before she was born. She was the youngest of seven kids, and quite a bit younger than some of her siblings. I knew two of her sisters that still lived in that little town west of us, made their lives there. Their families were very prominent out there. In fact, they homesteaded part of that country. Well, my grandma and grandpa had eight kids, but they lost two, one at childbirth, and one when he's very, very young. I spoke about that before on an episode I was talking about my mother. Their youngest kid was my Aunt Connie, who I speak about all the time. All my cousins probably would tell you the same thing that I tell you here. That Grandma was their very favorite grandparent. She had a heart for her grandchildren bigger than the size of Texas. She loved her kitties. That's what she called us. She made time for us. Her kitchen is my favorite kitchen of any kitchen I've ever been at in my whole life. Watching her make those cinnamon rolls. She worked all the time around. You know, she was old school. We had a chicken house, but the chickens were gone by the time I can remember. She lived for 24 years after my grandpa passed away. Most of that was in that same house. It was a log house that when I was very, very young, I remember it being a log, but somewhere along the line, sometime in probably the mid to late 50s, they put siding on that house. I asked Connie why they never took that siding off later on. Connie explained to me that 
to make the siding lay right on the house, they had to saw a bunch of those logs, flatten them out so the log house wouldn't really look right if they took that siding off now. That lady raised me like she was my mother in a lot of ways. She was almost as close to me as my mother was. My mother was her oldest child. And the weird thing about all that was my mom and my grandma were pregnant at the same time in that little hometown. Mom with me and grandma with Connie. I find that quite amazing. There's a bond there spiritually with grandma that is tied to me so tight that even if I wanted to, I would not be able to shake that off. And I never want to shake that off. I embrace that. She has a special big old place in my heart. I miss her very much. She had stories that went to the grave with her and I wish that things like podcasts existed back then so I could have captured some of that. Grandma, I love you. I thank you for being the matriarch that was so full of love and kindness and compassion and caring that it carried forth with your children and your children's children. You will always be missed, Grandma. All I ask is that you share this podcast and smile to all those you come in contact with. Be kind to everyone. I'll be back next Wednesday. Peace out. A grandfather is someone you can look up to no matter how tall you grow. A grandmother is a little bit parent, a little bit teacher, and a little bit best friend. The best dads get promoted to grandpa. A grandfather is someone with silver in his hair and gold in his heart. Grandmas are moms with lots of frosting. I used to think I was too old to fall in love again. Then I became a grandparent. I don't spoil my grandkids. I'm just very accommodating. Grandparents are there to help the child get into the mischief they haven't thought of yet. You know you're a grandparent when you laugh when your grandkids do the same things that made you so angry when your kids did them. If I had known grandkids were so much fun, I would have had them first.